Dear Sears, welcome to the show. Maybe you've encountered something eerie, a bump in the night. Perhaps there's a memory from times past, a repressed paranormal trauma you can't quite see anymore. Are you experiencing the unexplainable now as we speak? Whatever the reason brought you here, I thank you for tuning in. Today we provide some necessary clarity. What are hauntings and what causes them? Is there activity outside of a haunting? What are the four archetypes that identify and classify a haunting individually? Get your journals ready as we journey into the usually imperceivable. for tuning in. I'm your host, CJ, and it's a pleasure to be speaking to you. From a lifelong obsession with the paranormal to having experienced a severe haunting myself, I'm excited to be presenting and exposing you to this dimension of the unknown. Before we really begin to uncover hauntings from the famous to the little known, I thought we might define the archetypes of hauntings and various activity. Understanding what something is and how it works should give us a more intimate affiliation with the stories in the upcoming episodes. Now, without further ado or digression, let's dive into the first category. People these days love to get in front of cameras. We also love to watch the videos and shorts distributed by these creators. These media creations remain on the internet, uninteractable and unchanging, to be viewed by as many people as who seek them out. You see the picture I'm painting, but you're probably asking yourself, what is he getting at? That's a fair question and the answer is simple. It's a simile for residual hauntings. All living beings and things consist of energy. Sometimes an event can cause such intensity that the energy is imprinted on a space some sources claim it's the building or the immediate area, certain objects, and some even claim it's imprinted directly on the atmosphere itself. These events replay themselves over and over within the setting. There is no sentience or method of interaction. There is no actual spirit present in this sort of haunting. It is merely the recording left behind of a past event. Because there is no intelligence present, this sort of experience is harmless, though they can be unnerving. If one wishes to remove such energies, you need only to burn some sage, and maybe say some prayers if that falls within your belief spectrum. Now, that is the most basic of hauntings, and we've all heard of that on some level, in between some of the more popular ghost shows, uh, maybe some friends. Oh, there's somebody who walks down my hallway every night. Oh, I hear a little girl sobbing in my stairwell. In fact, even I experienced a little girl sobbing in my stairwell, which is probably where I got that example from. These hauntings, you can potentially see them. They sometimes manifest. It's possible to just experience auditory observations. These things will repeat themselves over and over and over, sometimes frequently, sometimes infrequently. It all depends on the intensity 
of the energy expended during the event. It's usually something traumatic, something tragic happening. Uh, Sometimes it could be something as little as hearing an entire ballroom having a fantastic party. It's very, very difficult to really nail down what this sort of thing is, but I liken it to a sort of supernatural video. Maybe a TikTok. It's kind of funny to think of it that way, an ethereal TikTok, but more or less that's what it is. Uh, things like this you really shouldn't be afraid of. There's really nothing to worry about. No reason for any real caution. Uh, unless it starts to annoy you. I wouldn't even bother trying to get rid of it. Although, a sobbing girl in the stairs is fairly annoying after the 7th or 8th time it happens. On the other end of the spectrum are entities that can be interacted with. These spirits are aware of our presence, as well as their own. They can speak with us directly, unnerve us, even going as far as touching us. We call this sort of interaction an intelligent haunting. Again, all things comprise of various energy. On death, the physical form loses six ounces immediately. If you're wondering what that means, it's been measured that when a human being dies, the body immediately loses six ounces of weight. In many circles, this is believed to be what colloquially we refer to as the soul exiting the body. There are many reasons a soul may stick around. The most common of these being unfinished business. I need to complete a task or deliver a message. This is something you're going to see a lot in mass media and Hollywood productions. Uh, a lot of the ghost hunting shows will portray uh, ghosts and spirits as having unfinished business within a home. Another is an emotional attachment to a place or even a person. The spirit feels so strongly they can't bear to leave. Either love or hatred can fuel this haunting. They'll typically stay within a single location. However, if the attachment is on a person, the spirit may go with them when they move residences. It's possible for a spirit to travel with you. Some people don't mind that sort of thing. Uh, in, in an intelligent haunting, spirits tend to be more friendly. At most, maybe they try to annoy you a little bit. Very rarely are they concerning or dangerous. Uh, if you're experiencing a, an intelligent haunting, it's usually safe to attempt to interact, uh, maybe try to communicate on some level. If you're experiencing... Um, this sort of thing where you're seeing apparitions or hearing sounds and you're also experiencing depression, anxiety, you're losing sleep, people and animals are acting differently around you. If you're experiencing all those things at the same time, having a hard time with your job, don't interact with that because it might be something we're going to talk about later on. A lot of times these intelligent hauntings are also caused, like I previously said, um, by someone who's so attached to another person. We could be talking, uh, a wife passes away and she loves her husband so much she sticks around to make sure he's okay. He sees her throughout the house and sometimes it can be a little scary and unnerving. We, we, we aren't really accustomed to seeing people outside of a physical form, especially if we're a non-believer and we experience a spirit for the first time. Now, on the other hand, some of these spirits are reliving a tragedy over and over over again, sort of like a personal hell, where 
the event goes through their minds so much they constantly relive it unable to fully comprehend what happened to them this is again speculated to be attached to an emotion likely fear but can go as far on the spectrum as guilt a spirit may have done something that they feel terribly about and accidentally caused their own death and they stick around trying to make it right another form of intelligent haunting is animal spirits animals who've passed can be observed as intelligent they tend to be predominantly friendly returning to where they lived staying close to favorite toys people and furniture what this means is maybe you've had a dog that's passed on and at some point you sit in their favorite spot on the couch and it's warm or maybe you can smell them or maybe a favorite ball rolls across the floor on its own or maybe you hear a bark or meow from the upstairs where they like to lay down on your bed even if they weren't supposed to interacting with these animal spirits is significantly more difficult if possible than interacting with a human uh, ghost being that they don't really speak english in the first place or speak language at all for that matter it can be kind of difficult to communicate with them oftentimes they're just not willing to give up the companionship they had in their physical form and they want to stick around because uh, like the internet meme likes to say uh, they only may be around for part of your life but you are their entire life and potentially even their afterlife the other reason the spirit might stick around in an intelligent form is the fear of death or the fear of moving on from their death they always say go towards the light this that and you know, there's people who come back from near-death experiences with stories of having seen the light or things like that. We don't really know for sure what goes on during those times. And it's kind of hard to tell otherwise what really would be going on in those instances. But as a living human being, to think about it, while maybe some of us aren't afraid of death itself but the idea of where we go when we die can be quite scary especially depending on what religion you follow some religions are very unforgiving the idea of maybe burning in a fiery pit for all of eternity would be enough to terrify us into sticking around especially after death the final reason for an intelligent haunting is a person who has no idea that they've died either it be a sudden or tragic death they stay within the space moving and interacting as if they never left they also seem to respond with confusion or anger when living beings don't react to them as they would expect them to in their life this is also the type of haunting where the living experience attempts at communication knocking on doors and walls hiding or moving objects strange unexplained sounds and footsteps are all common indications a ghost is reaching out full body manifestations are also possible in these incidences it is possible for these hauntings to be dangerous though that's highly unlikely if you want to remove this presence sage blessings and removal rituals should do the trick uh, but we do recommend professional help messing with ghosts and spirits especially when you're not a hundred percent sure what exactly you're dealing with could potentially be dangerous you could think it's a simple ghost and perform some sort of ritual or have a minor professional come in and merely irritate the entity and again we go over later some some stronger beings who well maybe you really don't want to merely irritate them if you're going to get rid of them because oftentimes failing to get rid of them will only upset them further
A glass flies across the room, shattering against a far wall, seemingly on its own. A chair catches on fire in the middle of the night. Violent banging can be heard all over the house. Maybe you pull the covers over your face, or maybe you get up to investigate. Either way, chances are that you're terrified. What could be causing all of that noise? Poltergeists are a malevolent spirit, often associated with attempts at physical harm or even murder. Their activity is often random, but reoccurring. Though more realistically, they are typically interested in causing fear and harassing their victim rather than physical harm. Poltergeists will also attach themselves to a particular individual. If that person leaves a dwelling, activity seemingly comes to a halt. The attachee is more often than not an adolescent, and even more common, a female adolescent. Though we aren't really sure of the reason behind that. There are hundreds of stories. Some were made into shows and movies, including the 1982 hit Poltergeist that was rumored to be haunted during its filming. Taking on many characteristics of an intelligent haunting, poltergeists are regarded as much more powerful. They also require professional assistance and the DIY approaches aren't, aren't really recommended. Uh, getting rid of a poltergeist is not going to be something that you're going to find easy to do. There's going to be a process and seriously finding somebody who knows what they're doing uh, is really what we recommend in this situation. There's a small twist to this though. It's almost like M. Night Shyamalan created Poltergeist himself. Unlike the other types of haunting, this one has a second somewhat shocking explanation. Throughout the 1950s and 60s, a parapsychologist named William G. Roll coined the term recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. And what that means is a person who's able to telekinetically move objects and and strike them and create sounds and potentially auditory hallucinations using their mind. However, it's spontaneous, and this is recurring, meaning that they have no idea that they're doing it, and it happens a lot. He reasoned that this activity was caused by the subconscious emotional overload of living people, built up from stress and trauma. The individual has no conscious knowledge that they were the direct cause. Adolescents experience these emotional overloads more often than adults, having less experience and expertise at dealing with the stress. It would also explain why the events targeted a single individual. Though our next type of paranormal attachment does the same, it's for more serious and sinister reasons. They attach themselves to humans they perceive as weak. Their end game isn't to frighten you or harass you. Demons want only to feed on and eventually possess you. Portrayed often in movies like Paranormal Activity, demons are far more dangerous than Hollywood makes them out to be, and they make them out to be pretty deadly. You should never, under any circumstances, try to speak with, command, or banish a demon on your own. If you think there is a demon in your midst, contact a spiritual leader of your choosing immediately. Someone who is trained, experienced, potentially certified in banishing and exercising demons is the only safe way to remove them from your residence. A demon can and will disguise itself during an event and possibly make a person misidentify them as one of the other types of hauntings we previously discussed. And when we go over the degrees of possession, we're going to see that 
oftentimes they're able to simulate intelligent hauntings and even residual hauntings, at least at first. It kind of eases you in and gets you used to the idea of them being around before they slowly increase their intensity. Though we use the term spirit and ghost interchangeably, they are not the same. A ghost is an apparition or presence of a dead person or animal. A spirit is a sentient, non-human being, not tied to a location. Demons are powerful spirits and not to be taken lightly. Though their name comes from the word daemon, which simply means spirit in ancient Greek, they are not any old spirit. There are some occult practices that believe they can summon, bargain with, and sometimes even command demons. A good example of this is the practice of Abramelin, or the rites to Abramelin. I'm not here to argue it either way, but I personally don't recommend giving it a try. If given the chance, they will take you, possess you, and kill you. Their hauntings are by far some of the most violent and disturbing, as nothing is out of bounds for them including affecting your children. Uh, later on in a future episode, we're going to go over the real story of the haunting of Emily Rose. Or, I'm sorry, the exorcism of Emily Rose. No, that wasn't her real name. It's, it's a story about a demon possessing a child. Uh, we also ha had seen the idea of a demon possessing a child in the movie The Exorcist, which was also based on a true possession, but there's no 360 head spinning in the actual event. This is all horrifying. However, they do have an identifiable pattern to their activity. We refer to that pattern as the four degrees of demonic possession. First is the infestation. They will typically manifest as a standard haunting, increasing in intensity, like we mentioned before. They can present themselves as a residual haunting, an intelligent haunting, or even poltergeist activity. They will progressively increase their intensity, raising your stress, raising your anxiety, depriving you of sleep, until you reach the second stage, oppression. Bouts of extreme depression and anxiety occur at this stage. Thoughts of suicide are also common. Also, they will begin to exert their pressure on you, which will cause other extreme life-altering events. You may begin to perform poorly at work, either due to your lack of sleep or increased anxiety, inability to focus. And a good sign that you're beginning to experience the beginnings of a demonic possession is all these events will happen at the same time. Depression and anxiety are common issues that we deal with as human beings. However, if we combine depression and anxiety with losing jobs back to back to back and relationships failing and friends leaving us and an inability to maintain human connections as well as lacking the motivation to so much as feed ourselves, this could be a sign that the demon is beginning to oppress you and beginning to break you. They've really begun to break you when we reach the third stage, obsession. The victim cannot stop thinking about the activity. You completely stop sleeping. You are being broken. With all this increased anxiety and depression, the entity has managed to break into you on a mental level. They're breaking you down, wearing you out, and getting you ready for the fourth and final stage. Possession. 
The demon is able to take control of the person, and the only way to save them is with a professional exorcist. Hollywood portrays possession, and sometimes even people of certain faiths will portray possession as the demon entering the body and 100% taking control. And maybe true in some instances, it's not completely true across the board. Usually the person maintains their faculties, uh, the demon only taking control for certain periods of time or at certain points of the day or night. However, the person will start behaving erratically, sleep patterns are strange, the way they speak might change, their thought patterns could become concerning. The possessed individual may also exhibit feats of strength or physical ability that most humans outside of Olympians should be able to do. I mean, it's not common for a 12-year-old to pick up the back end of a vehicle like it's nothing, you know? Honestly, at that point, the only way to save an individual is with somebody who is trained and certified in exorcism. Whatever faith you believe in, whatever path of spirituality you follow, you need a professional. You know, and some people right now might be asking, well... How do, how do you come in contact with a demon in the first place? Honestly, they can roam about. They can attach to you anywhere. At the grocery store, uh, they can wander into your homes. Things like this, though, typically aren't common. Uh, a, a demon is looking for a specific type of individual who's in a kind of mental state where the process of breaking them down doesn't require tons of effort. Uh, a healthy-minded, strong-willed individual is going to be significantly more difficult for them to possess than someone who's already on the brink of losing it altogether. You can avoid contact with, with demons by not putting yourself in positions that may put you in front of supernatural activity. Even things such simple as going on ghost hunts have the potential to expose you to these things. Although we will say that a genuine demonic possession is incredibly rare. And really not something you have to worry about too much. I know we see a lot of it on things like YouTube and TikTok. And even before all these platforms were as popular as they are. The popular haunting shows. Things like that of the uh, early and late 2000s. They, they portrayed lots of possession and provocation. Because honestly it sells. And people like watching that. It's exciting because it's terrifying. And why else do we watch the horror genre if not for that. But again, just to reiterate, a true demonic possession is extremely rare. It's not something that we're going to just encounter at random or, you know, often, or that you should really be afraid of happening to you regularly. Uh, maybe maybe don't be doing things that might attract that sort of attention towards you, and, and you should be all right for the most part. But were you to begin experience some of these things, maybe contacting a professional a priest, uh, somebody who knows about stuff, uh, a witch, a local shaman, anything. Anyone who's practiced in the art of conducting themselves around spirits should be able to give you a hand in that sort of scenario. Those are the four major types of hauntings. There are a few other things that people bring up. You have the concept of the passer-through spirit or the passer-by spirit. These are just wandering spirits not attached to a single location when they may pass through your home and cause a minor disturbance. Those disturbances only lasting a couple of minutes at a time, maybe a day or two, but, you know, they typically end as quick as they began. Maybe a random picture frame falls off the wall or a dog starts barking at nothing and then just stops and everything goes back to normal. 
Uh, those those entities typically don't hang around very often, and you don't really have anything to worry about with them being present. There are other paranormal, even supernatural events that you can experience. Shadow people and various cryptids. Uh, I don't know if I would really classify them as ghosts or spirits. Shadow people, definitely. Uh, and I've also heard some people speculate that shadow people might even be lesser forms of demons. But typically... Uh, shadow people aren't really regarded as dangerous, then again, we really don't know what's going on in that aspect. These were the four types of hauntings that most stories can be classified under. As we return with more and more stories and breakdowns of hauntings, locations, pop culture, and entities themselves, I hope that this information stays at the back of your mind, forming a foundational understanding that helps guide critical thought as we move forward. I'm excited to present and tantalize you seers with stories and accounts that entertain, captivate, and inspire creative thought within you. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you again. Ethereally yours, CJ.